Good morning Faith Life family. It's so good to be with you here this morning uh, on this wintry morning. We're just the third Sunday of Advent. So Christmas is coming. We've even got a Christmas tree up in the office. Uh, thank you Jules for doing that for us. It was a surprise. We came into the office and there it was. So that's lovely and we can get ready to celebrate this Christmas season and we've got a lot to be thankful for. Uh, even though I know it's going to not be an easy Christmas, it's going to be very different. Um, I think we've been talking about, haven't we, what to, where to put our focus. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really important at this time. Um, thank you for the worship team for the worship. Uh, it was so good. It's so good to worship with you. And thank you for all the hard work that you're putting in to pull that together, uh, Mike and Flick. Um, thank you. Uh, Peter and Jackie, I think we don't realise behind the scenes what Peter and Jackie are doing uh, for our children in the Zooms that they've been doing in the videos. And I know that next week in our Christmas service, we've got some special things from them, haven't we? We've got some special things yeah. all together. Yeah, we have. Um, so, yeah, uh, you've got a, a good preach this morning, number two. Allegedly. Um, yep. And I'm looking forward to hearing from that. And... Um, we've had a we had a good uh, Zoom life group on Tuesday this week. Uh, we've been looking at Job, and this was a second session. And if you're not able to come on on a Tuesday, uh, it's recorded. Go and get it off YouTube and have a look. You know, I think sometimes when we think about Job, we think, why do I want to look at Job? You know, it's, it's not an easy book. It's a bit of a miserable book. But actually, we got really excited at the end of this last session. It really does show the goodness of God. Um, it shows uh, the restoration of God. It shows the grace that we are under. And it is a super, super book and often taught wrong. Uh, and we're gleaning really good things from the book of Job that's really helpful. And um, one of the things that we were looking at this week was praise. And I just wanted to bring it this morning, that praise, and particularly at this time when we're in this pandemic time and it's not easy what do we do to keep going you know I've talked to a number of you and we're all really tired we're all struggling with the uh, mental emotional physical effects some of us you know with the illness and or knowing people that have been ill and, and even maybe lost their lives so it is a really difficult time that we are in and how do we keep our hope up how do we keep our emotions up from going really really low and one of the things that we looked at uh, in Job this week was praise the importance of praise and I just wanted before Mark comes up and preaches and um, just to share what we looked at or one of the verses that we looked at and <clears throat> um, so we, we talked about how it's so important to lift our eyes up at this time to watch where our focus is, to keep our focus um, straight ahead on Jesus. He, God is the only one that can take us through this and get us to the other side. And it's so important at this time, even when we don't feel like it. And I think that is the problem. Um, sometimes we just don't feel like praising, but if we can just be determined to praise, to sing to God, to speak to God, to offer our prayers to God, to take everything to God, but also to remember 
who he is. And, and that's what I'm loving about Job. Uh, and I know it doesn't come to the end, but we had a look at the end this week. So our focus is on the end, which is God's restoration, God's provision, God's mercy, God's grace, um, who the Father is, full of love. And uh, we looked at Psalm 150. I just want to read it to you. Psalm 150, it's a, it's a small psalm, um, just six verses long. Even if we speak this out and then there are songs written, you'll know the songs, or start to sing, it, something will happen in our emotions that will be lifted and will enable us to keep going. And the psalm says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And even just reading that, you know, when you're coming before God and you're just praising him and what David is saying, just praise him with everything. Praise him with any instrument that you can get hold of. Praise him with your voice. Praise him with your words because he is worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen. So I just wanted to share that with you this morning. It really helped me this week as I'd meditated on that and as I'd praised and just sung and, and spoke to God, but remembering who he is and, um, and what he has done for us. And particularly at this time, which we're going into this yeah. awesome remembering of the birth of Christ, the saviour of the world, the Prince of Peace. Amen. 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 So um, just before I leave you to do your preach, um, you had a birthday this week. I did. I, did. Um, I had a me day. You had a you day. And Jules, thank you so much for putting that little, um, what do they call them? Outdoos? Outtakes. Outtakes. And outtakes. If you haven't seen outdoos. it, an outdo. <laughs> I was thinking wedding, updos, and anyway, yeah. outtakes. Um, it's on the Faith Life uh, Facebook feed. Go and have a look. She put together all lots of little funny clips we didn't know that she was going to do it and when we saw it it was so funny and it did make me giggle it's sort of the 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 fun side of the things that we do and we do have some fun don't we and and a lot of laughter yeah. i think so well, you laugh the, at me a lot i do yeah. i do yeah. well you laugh at me a lot but <laughs> laughter's good it's a good medicine uh, the bible tells us so so happy birthday mark for this week and if you've had a birthday this week happy birthday I actually think it's Eileen's birthday today. So Eileen, happy birthday. Have a lovely uh, day. Do something special if you can. And uh, yeah, uh, from a family, we just wish you a big happy birthday. Amen. Amen. Have you any other notices? Um, no, no. no special service coming next week for Christmas. Yeah, but and one thing I do want to encourage you to do, though, Shell mentioned uh, the, the Zoom Bible study on, on Job. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't already done so, go and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Faith Life Media. 
because there's, there's a, a lot of a huge amount of video content on there it's growing every week there's some fantastic stuff on there uh, and i'd really encourage you to to take some time go and explore what's there but to subscribe because if you subscribe it tells you when there's a new thing so you can you, if you've missed something you can go and find it there uh, the other thing I'd, I'd encourage you to do is to subscribe to the blog. You know, you get it on email each week or if you don't get our emails because you're watching yeah. this remotely, uh, then uh, just email us at office at faithlifechurch.org.uk and we'll uh, get you the, the link to the blog. But do subscribe to the blog. Um, I write those regularly. Now, one of the things that I found so encouraging over the, I guess it's, maybe two years bit maybe a bit longer that i've been doing that is that more and more people have been subscribing to that and you know when it when a blog goes out it doesn't just reach our church it it reaches multiple countries across the world you know we have people who read that regularly in in middle eastern countries in israel uh, the far east malaysia philippines singapore we have people who read it in australia we have lots of readers yeah. in africa uh, we have readers in Russia, right right across the world. Really. I'm not sure we've kind of hit Greenland yet, but the, the people are reading that right across the world. And it's so encouraging because I, I, I can see behind that website and there's little maps come up and it shows you where people are reading it. And you get this map and it just gets filled in of mm. the world as more and more people read yeah. each blog. Uh, so I want to encourage you if, you, if you don't subscribe to that, go subscribe to it. There's some great stuff great on stuff. there. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a section on grace and faith, really encouraging stuff there. Yeah. Uh, there's a section on uh, leadership for small churches. Uh, there's a sec section on family and relationships. And there's even a few book reviews. So so do go and have a look. Yeah, yeah they're really good. I enjoy reading them. I always put my little likes at the bottom. So, yeah. So, um, I shall pray for you and then we will hear part two of your preach. We will. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you are with us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will open up our hearts now to receive from you. And, Father, I ask that you will bring those deep things, the things that sometimes we don't see, so that we can hear your voice, listen to your word, mm. And may, as we go into this Christmas season, keep our focus on you. Praise you for what you have done for us. So anoint Mark now as he speaks. Bless him, Father. Let the, your words come out through his mouth and open our hearts to, now to receive from you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I'll extract myself from the Christmas yeah, don't, tree. Don't, don't sit on the tree. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to uh, we're going to be continuing our series called the, the Hidden Christmas this morning, and uh, last week we looked at uh, the question of what did Mary know? Why did God choose Mary? And today we're going to follow a little bit more of her story, Joseph's story. Uh, again, really well known, familiar passage. We're going to go to uh, Luke chapter two, and we're going to find in in this some some real nuggets, some very powerful truths as we. We dig deeper into the story of Jesus. So uh, go with me, Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to start at verse 1. Um, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered. Everyone went to their own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out from the city of Nazareth, into Judea, 
to the city of David which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with his betrothed wife Mary who was with child. So it was that while they were there the days were completed for her to be delivered and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them at the inn. Now there were in that same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night and behold an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let's now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the child, the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marvelled at those things which were told to them by the shepherd. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. No, a, a really, again, really well-known passage. But there's so much truth in this, so much packed into to those few verses. And I want to explore those with you right now. But, you know, as a starting point, we have a, a picture I think that each of us carries around uh, with us of, of Christmas and what it looked like, what that first uh, uh, place where Jesus was born looked like, what Mary looked like, what Joseph looked like, what you know some of them might even think what the shepherds looked like and uh, we, we do our nativity plays and, and so on and we sing songs each Christmas don't we you know away in a manger no crib for a bed the little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head and, and, you know, we talk about that Jesus didn't cry and the, the cattle were lowing and, it, and it's a very idyllic scene. Um, and that, that's wonderful. But what we're going to see is maybe it wasn't quite like that. You know, we, we sing another song, don't we? It's, it's actually the song I love at Christmas, which is Silent Night. And one of the things we, we, we are going to find out here is it was anything but silent. Anything but silent where Jesus was born. And so, you know, when we get down to a gritty reality of what, what these passages show us, it, it, can be a di it can be very different from what we've, we've seen and what we've imagined before. But the truth is, Jesus came into our gritty reality. He didn't come in some sort of sanitised version of the, the, that we could, we could put on the front of Christmas cards. He, he came into a real reality. He came down to the depths of humanity, real uh, people uh, with real difficulties, with real problems, enduring real hardships, and he stepped into the middle of that in order to save them. And so that's what we're going to be exploring this morning. But let's start at the beginning. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Well, what's that all about? Well, Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus 
was uh, he, he's known by that name, but he's also known by the name the Emperor Octavian. So he, he's known both, but basically he was the guy that um, succeeded Julius Caesar as Emperor of Rome. And what happened is after the assassination of Julius Caesar, they split the Roman Empire into sort of three districts. And it was actually governed by a triumvirate. Uh, it wasn't just Caesar Augustus that was uh, administering and, and ruling over the region, although he, he, he became the emperor. Uh, and in that triumvirate, uh, the, there's, there's other well-known people, but the, 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 probably the best known to us is Mark Anthony. And uh, Mark Anthony was very closely connected to Octavian or Caesar Augustus, really closely connected to him. Why? Because Mark Anthony married Octavian's sister. And so they, they, they were kind of brother-in-laws uh, brother to each other. And uh, Mark Antony, out of this group of three, he was given responsibility for the eastern part of the empire. That's the bit that includes Israel. It's the bit that includes Egypt. Uh, and when we, he, he basically went and he was stationed in that area. And in order to uh, kind of uh, sort of um, exercise his authority in that area, he went to Egypt and he, and he started on an affair with Cleopatra. And uh, Mark Anthony and Cleopatra are actually both recorded as visiting uh, Israel. And one of the things that, that we discover from the historical records is that Mark Anthony and, and Cleopatra, when they visited Israel, they stayed with Herod. And what happened, uh, you know, they, they built up this friendship with Herod. And to get him on side with them, because there's all sorts of political machinations going on, to get him on side with them, Cleopatra then had an affair with Herod uh, and you know what the, the outcome of that is that Octavian got very upset with them both, got very upset with Mark Antony, remember he's married to Octavian's sister and, and he dealt with them and he dealt with them severely and as a result of that Israel became a place where there's this immense tension because Herod the Great had previously sided with Mark Anthony and Cleopatra, and now Octavian, had, um, Caesar Augustus, had exerted his authority. There was, you know, we, we're several years on by the time we get to his story, but there's, it's a place of huge tension. Uh, Herod's been brought into line. He's have, he's doing everything he can to please Caesar Augustus in order to try and get back in his good books, and that's kind of the political background to to the birth of Jesus in that. It wasn't a settled place. The, you know, the, the world hasn't really ever been a settled place. And it's certainly not settled now, is it? We, we have our, our, all our own political issues in the Western world and in the Middle East and so on. And the world isn't a settled place. And the kingdom of God comes into that world. We are the carriers of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God exerts an influence in that world, in our world, in opposition to the kingdom of the enemy. And, and so, you know, Jesus coming to earth brought the kingdom. It brought the, he brought his kingdom onto the earth. And from then on, we are representatives of that kingdom. All who believe on him, in him continue his work in bringing the kingdom into this fallen, uh, charged, tense, politically sensitive, uh, ill world. And so, you know, we, we have a kind of, everything's really tense. You know, you're not going to, 
uh, um, upset Roman soldiers, you're not going to upset Roman authorities, everybody's walking on eggshells and then this announcement comes that we, 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 we're going to take a census. So why is that? Well, we, it uses this word, all the world should be registered. Well, that word register, uh, what's translated there, it means to, uh, to enrol, uh, to give your name for a register. So why were they doing that? Well, they were doing it so that they could determine the population of each region in the empire. And the, the purpose of determining the population of each region in the empire is so that they could budget the income and expenses of the empire and they can do their proper government functions of ensuring that... that, that the, you know, everything was maintained through the empire so that they could budget. And then basically the idea was that they could calculate how much tax revenue they would have available to them in order to govern the empire. So that's what was going on. Now, what we need to understand is that although we're kind of used to all these things, we're used to annual budgets and all that sort of stuff, this was really rare. This was really rare in ancient times to to do these censuses, to, to have... Uh, uh, tax revenue in this way to have it so carefully calculated and uh, what what happened is that in that, that that rarity in order to make that uh, actual effect there had to be a decree that went out from the roman senate and when a decree went out from the roman senate if you were in the roman empire you obeyed it no ifs no buts no, well, I don't agree with that or no, you know, you, you couldn't put it on Facebook and have a rant about it or anything like that. When the government said something, you did it. Whether you liked it or not, whether it felt good or not, whether it was inconvenient or not, whether it affected your pocket or not, you had to do it. Because, you know, the, 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 the strong government of the Roman Empire uh, required that. It required everyone to obey. Now, it says here that the census took place at, and everyone went to their own uh, city and was registered. And it says that this census was taken throughout the world. Well, that's kind of a, it's kind of a big picture, isn't it? But the word, the word translated world there is, uh, it's a Greek word, as you would expect, oikomene. And, you know, we, we're used to the word, uh, some, some of you may have heard the word oikos. I've used it several times, which means your household. So the oikomene, the world that it is, it's talking about, it means the household of Rome and its area of influence. So that, that's what it's talking about there, the household of Rome and its areas of influence. And what that tells us, you know, when we, when we think about that a bit carefully, it tells us that the entire Roman Empire at that moment was in a state of movement and flux. Everybody right across the entire Roman Empire was traveling somewhere, going somewhere, moving somewhere, doing something to get somewhere. It was it was astonishing the, the, the level of traveling and movement and, and the hardships that people were going through to get to where they needed to be. Uh, and, and that is is not the sort of scenario you really would have designed for the son of god to be born into so we, we would have had in mind a, a nice little place a nice warm bed a nice cozy room in a nice cozy house with grandparents and everybody around and and we would have designed it all like that but sometimes like this christmas life doesn't turn out like that sometimes things that happen in the world are, are on a scale where the, the kingdom 
needs to listen and sense God and follow his direction in the midst of all the movement that is going on around them. And, uh, you know, when, when I read this story, I think, well, what would that have been like for Mary? You know, we, we talked last week about Mary and, and, and this young girl who's pregnant. Um, and, you know, she's coming towards the, the, the end point where she's about to give birth. She's huge, absolutely huge, really uncomfortable. You know, I, we, we, we've had babies in the church this year. We've had babies, you know... For several years now, uh, you know, a, a great regularity, and without exception, mums will tell you that those last few weeks they are just so hard. They're so tiring. You don't want to move. You don't want to waddle. You don't. You just don't know what to do, and you're hot, and and it, and it's that's you know Mary is feeling like that. She's experiencing all those things, and uh, you know the. To the background to her experience all those things is the world is a really difficult and dangerous place, especially where they live, because of this tension that exists. And um, what we don't always appreciate from this is that this this pregnant, hugely pregnant young girl had to uh, travel for ninety miles on a donkey. Ninety miles on a donkey now. On average, uh, what, what it's thought is that at that, that time, that you, you would basically go something like 10 miles a day. And so this journey took her, her and Joseph anywhere between uh, seven and nine days. It, it's that sort of length. So they're sleeping outside overnight. Um, and basically the, the terrain they had to go through was, was kind of a difficult terrain. It, it involved... Um, they, they, they would originally initially go along the flatlands along the side of the Jordan River and then they'd have to climb up and go up the hills and through the hills to get to Jerusalem. So it wasn't an easy journey. And they'd be doing that journey in daytime temperatures of around about 30 degrees. But it's, what, what we, we also know is that the season that Jesus was born, this is also the season of heavy rain. So you've got heat, you've got torrential downpours, uh, each day and then at night every, when everything cleared up when all the all the the the, the, the uh, water would evaporate because of the heat at night the skies would be clear and it would go below freezing so huge extremes of temperature and they would have had to pass through all that each day and they'd have had to sleep outside at night uh, and they're going through countryside where, you know, maybe we don't kind of get this in the, in the UK, but they, they're going through countryside and there's lions that live there at that time. There's bears. Uh, wild boar attacks were very common. Uh, and also the whole, whole area was notorious for bandits and, and robbers. You might remember the story of the Good Samaritan. Well, you know, it, it's that sort of uh, incidents that were happening all the time. And so... What does that tell us? Well, it tells us this, that the destination, our destiny, God's purpose for our life, doesn't always lie through the easy terrain. It doesn't always lie on the most comfortable path. That in order to uh, reach our purpose, in order to live that, that abundant uh, life that God has for us, that fruitful life, 
we are going to have some difficult times and our response to the, those difficult times will not be to fall back but will to be to go through them and yeah we we've all had a really difficult time this year some more so than others and it, it's easy to kind of just brush that aside and say oh you know we've got the vaccine now it's all going to be okay but this has been a really difficult period and it's not over yet but we are going through to the other side you are going through to the other side every single one of us in this church is going through to the other side we are going to come through intact we are not losing anybody you know these things we've been praying for we're going to come through financially sound able to keep paying our bills to come out stronger than we went in we may look differently as we come out but we are going to come out stronger than we went in and we've had people uh, one of the things that Jules and I discovered this week is that that strangely during in this period the the subscribers to our website and the number of people who count apparently have registered as members on our on our website is actually doubled since the start of this year which is astonishing it's, it took us by surprise when we, we realized that we only realized it because our our website bill was going up and we asked why and it's because and they said it's because you've got all these new members who are, who are looking at it every week and we go oh wow and um, you see god um, brings about fruit even in the oddest and most difficult circumstances and he's going to do that with you and he's going to do that in your life and he's working on it right now what's it what's the other thing we can get from this well they they, they trusted God's promise they trusted God's promise they had this promise from God you know that Mary was going to give birth and he was going to be Jesus and he was going to be the son of God and all those sort of things and Joseph was aware of the, that promise and they trusted God's promise, but they also obeyed the government. And that's a really interesting response. That's a really uh, important thing I think we need to, to build into our, our thinking. Because, you know, I, I think th there are a number of us, there's, you know, you, you see a lot of uh, traffic on social media and so on about churches, whether they should be allowed to meet, not allowed to meet or, or whatever. I think, you know, I've expressed this before. The reality for us is that, yes, we should meet. Yes, we're one body. But the reality for us is that you have to balance that with obeying the government. And it's right to obey the government to the extent that you, that, that you are still able to worship God, walk with God and connect with each other. Now, I think the issue really is when we say, well, you know, we, we want to meet. Well, of course we want to meet. Every one of us wants to meet. Cheryl and I are absolutely fed up of not seeing you guys and not being able to hug you guys, not being able to talk to you guys face to face. And it's difficult. But the reality is this, in that, you know, when we say we need to meet, we need to find ways around that. And as you know, we're doing that. We do that through uh, online stuff. But we're also doing, looking to start with Faith Life um, Mobile and so on. What am I saying in this? What, what I'm saying is this, that when we say churches are, are being stopped meeting, what we're saying is churches are being stopped meeting in the way that those churches want to meet and in the way that they've always done their meetings. And, you know, one of the things we can really learn from, from Mary and Joseph is that they, they hung on to the promise of God, they obeyed the government, they followed the promise of God, knowing that God would keep his promise, 
and they came out the other side with the Son of God as their child. And so it, it's so important that we don't just say, well, we have to do meetings the way we've always done them or they're not valid. What we have to do is work with God right through this to come out the other side and see this fruit that he has for us. And, and as I said last week, I'm, I'm believing that there's going to be some amazing things happen in, in the next couple of years as we, we step forward as a church uh, through the DNA cells, through Faith Life Mobile, through Truth Quest and all the other things that we would never even thought about if we hadn't gone into this time. So, uh, what, just to summarise that, pull all that together, God will take you through to what he has promised. And the way he'll take you through is for you to follow him in faith. Faith always accesses the promises. And when we're going through the, the, these, these, these really challenging moments in life, the most important thing we can remember is the thing that Mary and Joseph would have had to remember every night as they lay down. We just don't lie down, give up, and, and, and drop out. What we do is we get up again and we move forward. We don't fall back. We don't turn around and say it's just too difficult for me. We keep going. Why? Because God is our joy. God is our strength. God is our refuge. He's the one who's for us and not against us. And he will keep his promises and he will take us through. And when we come out of this, we're going to look back on the time we've been through this year and see the changes in every single life in this church. Because we'll all have changed and we'll all have changed for the better. So let, let's just move on quickly now. Um, when, you, when you think about uh, the reality of what this, this situation must have looked like to them, well, what, what's, what the reality of the situation is, and, and again we get this from historical records, is right then... Uh, all the schools were closing, all the local little village schools were closing, businesses were having to shut because their owners were having to, to go to their town. Uh, everyone's, you know, like packing, they're, they're loading the trucks, they're loading the donkeys, they're, they're getting all the possessions, they're, they're packing and everyone's on the move and everyone, and, and again we, we know this from people who've written about this time, Everyone did what, what we do these days is everyone was grumbling, everyone was moaning, everyone was criticising and everyone had a different opinion about what should be done. And yet, they had to obey the government. So they, they, they went. Uh, you know, even though everyone was inconvenienced, um, everyone was objecting, God was still working in the middle of that. And, you know... We need to, at this time, as Shell said, in terms of uh, our Joe Bible study this week, one of the things we learned from that is that when things are against you, the strongest thing we can do is to praise. The strongest thing we can do is worship, to keep our eyes on God, to reset our focus on God, to keep looking at God, to keep celebrating him. And we've got this incredible opportunity over the next couple of weeks. We're going to be celebrating God like at no other time of the year. So I just want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to sing every single carol you can get your hands on. Listen to the words you're singing and give it full welly because that's what I'm going to be doing. So if you're in earshot of me, I would move further away because it's not going to be a pleasant sound, but it's a pleasant sound to God. So um, 
what what are the the next thing I want to show you here is Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. And it, you know, I was thinking, well, why why does did God have to do it this way? Why why did God choose somebody who inconveniently lived 90 miles away from where they needed to be when there was a census coming up which god would have known about through his foreknowledge why did he have to make it so difficult you know why did they have to go to bethlehem why couldn't they just have stayed in nazareth and, and registered there well i think the answer to that lies and, and i just want to take you uh, back for a moment i'm going to take you back to matthew chapter 2 just a little diversion matthew chapter 2 uh, again, I'll start at verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod heard the king, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And he gathered chief priests and the scribes and the people together and he inquired of them, Where was the Christ who'd been prophesied to be born? So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written, and, he, and he, they then quote the prophet Micah, but you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Here's the point. It had been prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Jerusalem, and God keeps his promises. Again, we keep coming to that. God keeps his promises. God never fails to keep his promises if we will believe those promises. God keeps his promises and he keeps them exactly. And if he's got to move all the people in all of the Roman Empire in order to get that prophecy to come to pass, then he'll move all of the people in all of the Roman Empire and get them to the places they need to be. And he got Joseph and Mary to the place they needed to be because it had been prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And, and, you know, Bethlehem is kind of hard to, to uh, imagine, but I went there on my, uh, I actually was in Bethlehem at Christmas, you know, my birthday's uh, near, near Christmas, and I, and I went over from birthday and came back just before Christmas. So I was in, in Bethlehem just leading up to Christmas uh, between my 18th birthday and that Christmas. And obviously it's kind of a, a bigger place now because it's got all the tourists and, and everything. But at this time, it was kind of, you know, the time that we're talking about, it was a nowhere place. It was it was an absolutely back in the woods, nowhere, do nothing, go nowhere sort of place. Kind of, you know, those, those little towns where everybody, all the industries left, all the people have left, and, and there's, there's only nothing to do all the time you're there. And that, that's the sort of place that Bethlehem was there. And yet God chose that out of that nowhere place full of, uh, people who were not well-known, people who had no status, he chose that that would be the birthplace of Christ. And and that just tells us that, you know, God is... Um, God can use anyone and any place to bring about his purposes. And that, that's really good for us, isn't it? Because it means... That whatever we think of ourselves, whatever we've been through, whatever we've done, whatever's happened to us, whatever's happening now, however we feel, however uh, talented or not talented, intelligent, not intelligent, and so on and so on, however we feel, God can use us. 
God can use every single one of us for his glory in a way that we will find fulfilment and joy and pleasure and life beyond any other path that our life will take. So let's go back to Luke. Luke chapter 2. Let's, let's pick up the story again. You know, one of the things that occurred to me as I was saying that is that I often hear people say, well, you know, when, when you're seeking for God, uh, they, they, and, and you're talking about the guidance of God, they'll say, well, if, it, if it's hard, it can't be God because God makes you way easy. And, uh, and, and as a result of that, many Christians live their lives going down this path of least resistance, uh, assuming that if there's no resistance, it must be God. And, you know, having had the opportunity to kind of observe that approach over 13, 14 years of ministry, um, what I found is that people who've taken that approach, going down that path of least resistance, have ended up going not very far at all and nowhere of any significance. In, in fact, what they've found themselves is, is running their lives in kind of, into kind of dead ends. Uh, and why is that? Because it, it's, a, it's a misunderstanding of the kingdom and the way God works to assume that the path of least resistance, the easiest way, is always God. In fact, because we have an enemy in this world, because we live in a fallen world, because we're in this world but not of this world, because we're not called to walk in the same way as the world, what we can expect is if we are really following God, we're going to encounter some hard stuff. And, you know, I've said this before and I'll say it again, there are no victories without battles. There's no testimonies without tests. And we go through and there's no going through. There's no coming out into the, uh, into, into the wide open plains without going through the valley. We, we need to understand that the path of least resistance is not necessarily the way to the destination God has for us. Often it can be the hard things that we need to go through that strengthen us, that toughen us, that build endurance into us, that build patience into us, and we inherit the blessings by faith. To get where you need to be, God has to lead you there. And when God leads you to a place, the provision you need, the uh, equipment, the uh, people that you need around you and so on and so on, they will be there because God will always provide in the place he's leading you to. So that's why it's so important that, that we go through. Maybe we can't sometimes see his provision, maybe we can't quite see what he's doing, but to know that at the end he is there. So let, let's, have, let's just kind of do this to, together with a couple of really, I guess, you know, things that really I found interesting, but also just incredible revelation. One of the things that we read here is that, in fact, it's mentioned two or three times in the passage we read, that they, they wrapped the baby Jesus in swaddling cloths. Well, and we, and we sing about that, don't we, in, in our Christmas carols. So what's that all about? What, what, a, what a swaddling cloth? Well, swaddling cloths, are, they're kind of lit strips of material. And they used to keep these in, in shepherd's caves. And uh, again, I'll come back onto the shepherd's cave in a moment. But they used to keep these in shepherd's caves. And, and whenever they had a newborn lamb, they would take the, the newborn lambs, the, these pristine, uh, perfect newborn lambs and they take them into uh, 
the, the shepherd's cave and whilst there they would wrap their legs in these swaddling cloths so that their legs were strengthened and they couldn't hurt themselves until they grew stronger and 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 more able to 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 look after themselves so um they, they were basically strips of, of of cloth for wrapping uh, the little legs of newborn lambs uh, and they would have found these because this is where they were staying, they would have found these in the cave that they were staying in. We, we imagine that they're, they're in some sort of wooden stable with lots of hay around and, and so on. But actually where, where they were uh, is they were actually in a cave. That, that cave's still there. You know, I've, I've been to it. I'm, I'm sure many people in our church have, have been to it. That cave's still there. Now there's a, there's a huge church built on top of it over the centuries since then. But you can still go down into the cave where Jesus was born. And uh, these were, wherever there was caves, you would find shepherds sheltering. You would find animals in there. You would find uh, all sorts of people sheltering in these places. But they were principally used by those who worked outside by the shepherds. And they, were, they would smell and they would be full of uh, animals, cows, sheep, goats, lambs, all, all sorts of things. And, and they would all be there and there'd be this racket, there'd be lots of people in there sheltering. And the reason they ended up in there, because uh, basically they, they, they'd they gone on this long, painful journey to get to Bethlehem. I mean, everybody had got there before them. So everywhere they could have stayed, all the inns were full and they ended up staying in these, um, you know, transient shepherd caves. And that's where they found these swaddling cloths. And that's what they wrapped Jesus in to keep him warm. Because, they, you know, they, they needed to stay warm. These things were open to the outside and they needed to stay warm. And so they wrapped the Lamb of God in the cloths that were there for the little lambs. And that just brings back to us, doesn't it, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. He died for the sins of everyone. He's paid the price for your sins. And if you don't know him, then you can have access to the forgiveness that provides by putting your faith in him and making him Lord of your life. So that Jesus, the Lamb of God, who came to take away the sins of the world. So Jesus comes from heaven to earth and appears as the Lamb of God. And, and they put him in a manger. Now, what's a manger? Well, we know what a manger is, don't we? It's a feeding trough for animals. So there's no bed. That probably tells us there wasn't any nice comfy hay and little blankets and so on. They put him in a feeding trough. And, uh, and it's a feeding trough of animals. And one of the things you find is if you visit the, the, the cave where Jesus was born, is that that feeding trough is still there on that site. Um People um, would use these caves, they would use these shelters where these the, the, the animals were and the, and the shepherds were. Basically, the, the, if everything was okay outside, you'd only have the shepherds and a few little animals in there. But in times of uh, storm, in times of heavy rain, in time when it was cold, in, in terms of sheltering from the heat of the day, then lots of people would then go into these. These caves... Uh, like the one Jesus was born in, were a place of refuge. And that reminds us, you know, that, you know, Jesus, who is our refuge, came 
and was born into the place of refuge. Jesus, our refuge. Jesus, the one that, that we can shelter from in the storm. Jesus, the one who will, uh, as, we, as we sit and, and stay in his presence, under the shadow of his wings, we have protection and we have safety. And so just to kind of wrap this up now, what I would say about all of this is that, you know, we, we have a, an idealised picture um, of, of what it must be like, been like for Jesus to be born. And it was anything like that. The silent night was not a silent night. The, the nice comfy hay and straw probably stunk to high heaven. There's noise, there's people, there's... There's all sorts of things going on. And then these shepherds turn up as well because they've been told by angels that, that, that Jesus has been born. And the whole place erupts and they all start looking at Jesus and they all turn to Jesus. And, and, it, and it's just anything but silent. What does that tell us? It tells us this. We have a God who understands the reality of our own existence. He's not remote. He's not distant. He's come right into the middle of our reality, felt our pain, sensed all the things we sense, felt what we feel. And he's for us and he loves us and he came to save us. So that as he came to us, we can be with him for eternity. Amen. So if you don't know Jesus, if you, if you haven't made him Lord of your life or you feel like you've slipped so far away that, that you're not really sure whether you know him or not, then I want to pray with you right now. I want you to say this prayer. Now, I want you to come and, and, and choose that Jesus, this Jesus who came to rescue you, is going to be the Lord of your life and that you'll follow him. You'll follow him like those first disciples followed him uh, and you, that he'll be your Lord and your King. So just pray this with me. Follow me. Say the words after me. Father, just say Father. I thank you that you sent Jesus to rescue me. You sent him into this very real world and that he experienced all that I experienced in order that I could come to know you. And I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all the times that I've rebelled against you, ignored you, and that I have not previously chosen you. I ask you now to be Lord of my life so that I might be born again. Fill me with your spirit and give me that eternal life that you promise. Amen. Amen. Now, if you said that prayer, we want to celebrate with you. We we want to uh, help you. We, we want to get some resource to you. We'll, we'll send you some resource. Just let us know. Uh, let us know if you want to respond to that. If you've got any questions from that, just email us, office at faithlifechurch.org.uk. That's office at faithlifechurch.org.uk. Or messages on, the, on this Facebook page and we'll get back to you. Amen. So we're heading towards Christmas. We've got one more uh, meeting, online meeting before Christmas. We're going to be back with that next week. But we just want you to know that Cheryl and I love you. We miss you. 
um, we, we, we just, you know, we, we can't wait for the day when we're all of us together again. But right now, we just want you to know that we're praying for you. We're thinking of you. You're in our hearts. And as Christmas approaches, that bond between us grows deeper and deeper. Amen.